1: with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo active cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country black buffalo tobacco alternative bold flavor full pouches the volume what is going on everybody john Middlecop freaking out podcast that's the show that's me and uh, we're rocking and rolling. Just watch the Niners demolish the Rams. Shanahan's beat McVay five straight times. We'll dive into a couple thoughts from that game. Some uh, Mahomes and Andy, the Raiders in shambles. Rodgers, Seattle, kind of fly around the league, talk a little college football. Uh, volume, big announcement today, Draymond Green will host a podcast. His first guest, actually, he said today with paid Manning, is going to be Mel Tucker. Michigan State football coach. I'm a Warriors guy. I've watched basically every meaningful game Steph Clay and Draymond have ever played. I mean, they're I I, I rock with them. They're just champions. Love everything they stand for on the basketball court. And uh, I honestly didn't know till about 24 hours ago that Draymond Green was going to host a podcast. So that's awesome. Also, Jay Boy's podcast. He talks a ton of SEC football, but just college football in general. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I I'm a pretty consistent listener and i don't listen to that much sports talk radio anymore or i mean pot well, i don't listen to radio but sports podcasts. i, I i'm a big fan of jay Boy's show so if you like college football check that out uh and i'm not just saying that because they're on the volume like i remember texting colin i, I was listening to jay Boy's show i'm like this is this guy's good uh i i really enjoy it and obviously the podcast here hopefully you enjoy uh tell your friends you can find us on youtube we usually go live on tuesdays And Or actually, Mondays, we go live Mondays, 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And Thursdays, 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on the Volumes YouTube page. Basically, just record like 30 minutes worth of the podcast beside the open and like the mailbag. So you can, you know, if you're just hanging out at your computer and want to check it out, fire on those. But let's, uh, and also Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. You slide up in the DMs. We do a segment at the end of the show. And we answer your questions pretty easy. How it's like basically the modern day uh, phone caller, except the only voice you hear is mine. But you get to ask your questions and DM me. And, and if I don't answer your question on here, I'll DM back and forth with you. Very active on the uh, the old Instagram. But let's start with Monday night football, and I, I, I do think the Rams are in a little are a little lost. I, I think in football it is very very important to have an identity, to know exactly who you are. You could argue in any walk of life. Knowing specifically what you do well. I think a lot of like uh, you know, motivational speakers, famous people have talked about. Too many people try to worry and try to improve on like 10 different things in life, and they become average at a bunch of things instead of just dominating and mastering one or two things. You know? And it's why, you know, <laughs> I don't do many things beside talk. Cause I I can't fix anything. I I, I can't do anything really beside talk. It's like my only Skill, and you could argue it's even a skill. But, you know, I think most football coaches do one or two things really well. It's kind of a tried and true formula. And forever, Sean McVay was basically Kyle Shanahan. Wanted to play physical defense and run the football. Well, I do think he's kind of been lost now that he's got Matt Stafford. Because with Jared Goff, he had to run the ball. He couldn't rely on Jared Goff to throw it all over. Well, he gets Matt Stafford, who has a way bigger arm and a much better skill set, and they're spread it out going four and five wide. I think he should copy the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur, who brought the offense, they've all been together, two Green Bay and two Aaron Rodgers, meshed it, where ultimately they lean on the power run game. Now, obviously, Rodgers is a better player, than Matt Stafford, but as you saw last weekend against Seattle, but many times over the last several years, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and now A.J. Dillon, they lean on their running game. Now, clearly the running backs with acres out aren't as good, but you have to stay tried and true to the running game. The running game can be Matt Stafford's best friend because they're asking him to go four and five wide. We're not in Detroit anymore. We're not in games that don't matter. These games really matter. Now, I know Sean McVay knows that, and listen, I, I'm a Matt Stafford fan. And he was terrible tonight, and he's really been bad the last couple of weeks. He was awful, atrocious. That, that's a if you're giving him a letter grade, that was like a D plus, C minus. Wasn't very good. I'm sure he'd say that too. But he's never played in important Monday Night Football games in the middle of November. So he's never had this many people looking this much pressure on him. A team that just traded for Vaughn Miller, and now they just signed Odell Beckham and they already had a bunch of star players. Like, he's never felt this. And now you're basically putting the weight of the world on his shoulders. You can ask Steph Curry and LeBron James to take 40 shots in a given game. They're used to the heat. They're used to carrying franchises to championships. Matt Stafford is carrying a franchise to a lot of losing records. And I think the best way to ease him into this is have a balanced offense. And when you watch them, they're not very balanced. And I know tonight they got behind, but still the last couple weeks they get so pass happy. And Sean McVay's resume early on in his Rams tenure ran the ball. Now I understand his personnel has changed a little bit. He had Todd Gurley those first couple years, and I think they were planned on leaning on Akers this year, and he got injured. But it's the NFL. You can find running backs. Most people listening to this had never heard of Elijah Mitchell. Dude's running for 100 yards every game for the Niners. They found him in the sixth round. Their backup running backs, Jeff Wilson Jr., probably haven't really heard of him either. You can find no names in this scheme. Now, Kyle has Trent Williams, George Kittle, and Kyle Juszczyk that are three guys. I mean, they have Whitworth, but they don't really have a blocking tight end and definitely don't have a fullback. And I think you see with Kyle, he has a true identity. And when he gets away from it is when he's not good. But he has to stick with it. Now, would he change if he had got Matt Stafford? Because remember, he wanted to get Matt Stafford. It was the two most aggressive teams for Matt Stafford, Niners and the Rams. They were all in on getting him. And was the game rigged, whatever. And, and, you know, I I think, not nervous, but if I was a Rams fan or someone that had a bet on them to win the NFC or to go to the Super Bowl, can we trust them in a big game? Definitely this first year, now that they lost Robert Woods, Robert Woods was an enormous loss. His first year with the Rams, 86 catches. Next to 90 90-90. This year, he had 45 catches on pace for another 90-catch season. That's a huge loss. And as I said last week when they signed Odell Beckham, it's a big risk. They have a great culture internally. They have a ton of high-level guys. Aaron Donald, Whitworth, even Stafford, right? I mean, talking car- Cooper Cup, Woods, high character, grinders, workers. Ramsey had fit in. Trade for Vaughn Miller, a lifetime winner, team captain. It's risky to bring that guy in your locker room. All about me. Look at me. I don't know, man. I I think Sean McVay is feeling a little... Lo- they just look lost right now on offense. Where is the identity of running the ball, then passing? The Packers have mastered it. And they're kicking everyone's ass for the last three years. You get Matt Stafford to do that. Because when you put, when you get Matt Stafford in the Shanahan scheme, it shouldn't be fair. Ask LaFleur. Ask Mike Shanahan when he got John Elway. Ask Kyle Shanahan when he got Matt Ryan. Ask Kyle Shanahan when he gets tonight's version of Jimmy Garoppolo. Easily the best game he played all season. Your quarterback doesn't have to be John freaking Elway in his prime. It doesn't have to be. Look at Aaron Rodgers last week. Was off. Hadn't practiced in a week. Didn't matter. Hand the ball off. Slam it down people's throat. In, in a world and society that feels like it softens every day, physicality still wins. Toughness still wins. On and off the field. Always will. I, I don't care what changes. In the business world, negotiations, you take the soft guy, I'll take the tough guy. We'll see who wins. <laughs> you know? I'll tell you who usually comes out on top. Right? Right? So, it's just, I, I think he's got to get back to his identity. And somehow, the Niners get a win like this. In a weird way, they're not dead. They have the Jags coming up. They get back to 5-5. Five and five, And then they play Minnesota, who's good. Like, I watched Minnesota play the Chargers today. And Justin Jefferson's a star. That team, that's going to be a huge game in two weeks. The Niners have to take care of business on the road against Urban Meyer. Kyle Shanahan should kick the shit out of them. They should win that game by 20-plus. They should murder them. So, like, all this game would be for naught if you don't go take care of business. Because they already blew it against Colt McCoy and the Cardinals backups. The Niners should be 5-4 and four right now instead of 4-5. and five. They got Colt freaking McCoy last week. But that's water into the bridge. That happened. Now, they took care of business tonight. They have they, they can take a breath. You get the Jags coming up, a team that should win three games all season. All of a sudden, you're 500. The NFC, the wild card, is wide open Wide open. The Saints have some quarterback issues. The Cam Newton's probably going to be the starting quarterback for the Panthers. Remember him last year? Can't complete passes. So the Niners now can get a little on a little momentum, on a little roll. They win this Jacksonville game going into Minnesota in two weeks. All of a sudden, we're talking about a team that can compete for a wild card. And listen, I, I'm not going to take back what I said about Kyle Shanahan the first half of the season. He was bad. He was bad. So it happens. Some I'll talk about Patrick Mahomes. You, the best go through struggles, and obviously Mahomes is not on the same you know on a different level than Kyle Shanahan. But I think we'd all agree Kyle Shanahan is a good offensive coordinator, and he hadn't had a good season. Some of it's his quarterbacks been all over the place. He had a rookie quarterback that he threw in there that he didn't trust. But you have a game like that's what the Niners should be. They have blue chip players on offense. Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football. George Kittle is one of the most dominant players in football with the ball in his hands. Debo Samuel is an ascending star. Ayuk is a big-time talent. They got like five running backs. They should be able to score on anybody. You're not going to get Matt Stafford every week throwing you a bunch of picks, but that, that, that's the 49ers that I think we all thought was going to come into the season.
2: Are you ready to amp up the excitement every college football Saturday this year? All right, it's called Colin Cowherd's Saturday Spreads. It's on FanDuel. Free shot at big prices. Really simple. I choose 10 of college football's biggest matchups each week. Make your picks against the spread for each one. And the fans who get the most right win 5000 bucks in prizes every damn week. Go to FanDuel.com slash SaturdaySpreads. FanDuel.com slash Spreads, Or you can just download the FanDuel app. Check in 5000 bucks every week in prizes. No purchase necessary age restrictions apply depending on location void where prohibited see fanduel.com for terms and conditions c-o-l-a-n so they know i sent you exclusively on the fanduel sportsbook app 21 plus and present in arizona colorado indiana michigan jersey tennessee and virginia or west virginia refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days max refund 10 bucks restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook fanduel.com same game parley available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER visit fanduel.com slash rg in colorado jersey and virginia or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in indiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee redline is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text step to 53342 in
0: Arizona. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash J O H N. That's LinkedIn.com slash J O H N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash cash. Well, well, well. Let's go. Okay, let's start with the Sunday night game. And the Chiefs went and annihilated the Raiders. And I think we've all been overthinking this, and I've been saying for a while with the Chiefs. Let's start with the Chiefs. I think you can overthink things. There is a reason why winners win and losers lose. And the Chiefs are winners. They're going to win... Their sixth straight AFC West this year. Andy Reid, since joining the Chiefs, once he goes to the playoffs this year, he will have made the playoffs eight times in nine years. All the guy does is win. He made the playoffs nine times in 13 years with the Eagles. He's now going to be eight for nine. That's 17. I'm no mathematician out of 23 years, uh, maybe 22 years in the NFL. Like the guy's a winner. All he does is win. And when you a, have a long history of winning, that doesn't mean you're always perfect. You go through rough times. You don't think like Elon Musk has a bad month. Jay-Z doesn't have some rough times. Coward doesn't have some bad shows. Human nature, the best at, in their field are going to have some tough times. And in pro sports, when you're dealing with 24, 25, 26-year-old stars, they can have rough times too. Patrick Mahomes had a rough skid. In a almost flawless career. He was turning the ball over at a crazy rate. Simply put, he didn't play that well. He was just off. But pro sports is one of the only areas in life, like most of our jobs, no one watches us screw up. So when we have a rough time, when something happens in our life, or when we're just off, no one really notices. Hell, if you're in certain positions... The, the company, nothing might change. You don't even notice your poor performance. Only like you can notice if you, if you listen to me consistently and I sound different or my takes suck or whatever, you'd be like, what's up with this guy, right? There are certain jobs that are just public that if you watch someone, you go, God, this guy's just off. And obviously pro sports where there's a winner and a loser and statistics based on every game, it's pretty easy to quantify whether a guy is playing well or whether a guy is playing poorly. And he was not playing that well. And once you pay him an historic contract, $450 million, if that guy has a down stretch, your team's going to be a little off. But check Coach Reed's resume. He figures shit out. And what did he do? He's playing the Raiders. Like I said, winners win, losers lose. Andy Reed goes to the playoffs 17 times in the last two decades. The Raiders during that stretch have been once. Let me repeat, been once. They, are, they, they, they haven't won a division in 20 years. They have nothing in common with the Chiefs anymore, despite they've beat them a couple times over the years. But that doesn't mean anything. One game in a 16 or 17-game season is irrelevant. You have to do it over a season. And the Raiders never figure that out. And clearly, they have a lot of things going against them, right? The Chiefs are kind of set the bar in the division of stability. They've now had the same head coach, For since 2013, and now Brett Veach has been there several years as the GM, and he's going to be there for a long time moving forward. Same with Mahomes, Kelsey Hill. They have a stable of human beings, leadership, and on the field that just don't change. The Raiders cut two first-round picks in the last two weeks. Their head coach is an interim head coach because they had to fire John Gruden, and that whole thing's going to get really ugly with the league. That's a whole other side story. I don't blame Gruden for suing the league. And Gruden's in a position where he's got a lot of money. Obviously, the NFL has more, but Gruden should sue the league because somehow they went after the Washington football team and the only guy to get collateral damage was the Raiders head coach. But that is the Raiders. For whatever reason, it's always the Raiders. And the Chiefs benefit from playing in a division with a team that's just always kind of in shambles. And when they're on, they kick the shit out of them. And that's what they did. And Mahomes kind of got his swagger back. Five touchdowns look completely dominant. Hill and Kelsey, you know, look like pro Bowl, all pro Hall of Fame players, which they are. The Chiefs have gone pretty simply over the last four year stretch. When Mahomes plays well, that usually means Hill and Kelsey dominate. And when Hill and Kelsey dominate, you know, they're a 13 win team every single season. And it's not like people are like well, oh, the defense. The defense has not been that great over the years. Now, they make plays, and last night, Honey Badger was making some plays. If they can get pass rush, they're fine. They're never going to be the 85 Bears on defense. But where they separate is offensively. And when they're throwing up points like that, there's nothing you can do. Like, no one's beating them when he's playing like that. And he's bound to play like that. Why? He's a great player. He is a great head coach, who also happens to be the play caller. (laughs) So, it's like, I I think we overthought what was going on with Kansas City, they had a rough month. And that's the Chiefs. You know, now are they going to make it to their fourth or third Super Bowl in a row? Who knows? It's, it's hard. But are they going to win the division? Yes. Because they're back in first place. They're not going to relinquish that that moving forward. As we're seeing, the Raiders are a shell of themselves. And in fairness, Henry Ruggs, which the tragic incident had a massive, massive impact on the field. The guy for a team that has whiffed on picks left and right over the years, he was gonna be a legit player. He was becoming one. And you remove him from that offense. They had a perfect balance of Ruggs, of Waller, of Jacobs, of Renfro. Now you remove him, it's not the same. Deshaun Jackson, who, you know, quite arguably is the greatest deep threat of all time, is no longer that guy. He's still fast, but once upon a time, he was a 4-2 guy. Right now he looks like he's 448. Well, when you're 170 pounds and that's what you're doing, like he's just not going to be good enough. And I'm not, you know, it was a freak deal with his fumble, but like they're, they're just not as good as the Chiefs. They're not as good as offensively. Derek Carr is a solid player. He's probably like somewhere between 12 and the 8th quarterback, depending on the week. But him and Mahomes, there is a wide, wide gap between the two players. Mahomes at any moment, no matter how bad his defense is, no matter what's going on, on offense, can just go, guys, get on my back all carry us to the promised land. Derek can't really do that. And there's really only a handful of guys that can, right? Russell Wilson, when he's on, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen has his moments, Lamar Jackson, you know, even Brady now, like obviously yesterday was, or Sunday was bad, but like their team's pretty sacked. I think at 44 years old, Tom Brady is not just carrying franchises anymore. And Derek's just not probably that guy. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But he's in an organization that's always in shambles, that just isn't very well run, that has an owner that the NFL would kick out in a heartbeat if they could, that does not have a coach, and who's going to blow up the organization again for the countless time and how many years. It's just a revolving door. It's hard to overcome that. And I know Car has said that he wants to finish his career with the Raiders. He will retire if they want to move him or whatever. He'll just go play golf. He's already has enough money. You know, listen, Derek, if, if winning a Super Bowl and competing in the playoffs is really important to you, like you, you should try to get out of there because it's just it's just not going to happen there. And it's you know, it's it's not all your fault. You know, it's just people go there to have their career ruined. And that's usually what happens. And As long as the Chiefs are around, even the Chargers are better than you, uh, which is crazy to say, because not like Dean Spanos is some great owner. I, I, I would try to I would try to run and I'd run fast. <laughs> Uh, The other big marquee game of the day was Aaron Rodgers versus a guy that rehabbed his uh, finger 19 hours a day so he could get back on the field. And let's start with Rodgers. And listen, he is one of the uh, regardless of how he played that game, which he didn't even get to practice all week. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. I think when it's all said and done, he'll be talked about as a top five quarterback of all time. Right. Right. And you could say there was some left to be desired, though he still has more years to win another Super Bowl. I mean, Marino's talked about as a top five guy, who never won a Super Bowl. Aaron already has that three MVPs. He, you know, I think once he gets back to practice, he will be right back in the MVP mix. Though I, I don't think the media elites will vote for him after everything that will, uh, you know, they're very emotional. So the moment that he, you know, refused to, like, let's face it, Rodgers got a lot of shit for lying to the media. He didn't lie to his team. He didn't lie to the league. He didn't lie to his teammates. Every single person that mattered in his life knew exactly what was going on. The people that were mad were the media because they weren't told the truth. Like they think that they should have to know. Now you can argue the fans, if you're a Packer fan, whatever. And listen, I'm pro-fan. Ultimately fans pay for everything. Every penny that is provided the league is because of the fans. Without them, this is just, uh, you know, would be a high-level you know, YMCA games. Let's, let's face it, the, the money comes from the people. So if you're a Packer fan and you thought he was screwing with you, I under—I actually support you being mad, though I can't necessarily relate to that, but I understand where you're coming from. The media, I just don't care. I mean, it's just like, I'm sorry. They're, they're not... I don't think a player is required to tell them anything. Regardless, you know, play-wise, uh, but it's just its their kind of lot and land and they they, they fight for that real estate, right? But one thing that Rodgers did this offseason, which I I got down on him, he became a big-time drama queen. Now, I'm sure there were things that happened that we don't totally know about with him and Gudikins, with just him. It's it's a weird organization, right? I saw a story right before I hopped on here that they're selling 300 shares of Packer stock for $300 uh, a share. I'm not a mathematician here, but... It should be a lot of money. So if you sell 300,000 stocks for $300, that's going to raise $90 million. So it's just an easy way for the Packers to raise $90 million, right? And who knows? That $90 million might immediately go to Aaron Rodgers, which if they were smart, that's what they would do. The crazy thing is if you buy Packers stock, it's not like you get any say in anything that goes on, but you just get to say for $300, you own stock. It's just an easy way to raise capital. Pretty genius. But he doesn't get to like answer or bitch and moan to a Robert Kraft, to a Jerry Jones, to a John Marr, to a Rooney, to an actual human being, right? He Murphy is in charge of the organization, but he doesn't own anything. It's kind of like getting yelled at by management. You're like, well, you're middle management. Like, who are you? You are employed by the stockholders. You don't own, this is not your money. You're you're not in control. At least when Jerry or Cronky or whoever gets mad at you or you're having a serious conversation, you know that that guy signs the check. It's like Murphy, you're not signing the check. This isn't your cash. So th- there's stuff that we will probably never quite know that created some of the animosity in the off season. Though just the information that I have, it does feel that Aaron got a little, you know, went a little overboard. But regardless, I think we can all take a step back and go. They've had it pretty good, you know, since he's come back and he's they've won big. That Aaron has it really good, and I've been saying this over and over and over again. He has it really, really good because despite not having an owner, the Packers are easily one of the biggest brands. I've been saying this a long time in all of sports in the world. If you've ever gone to a Packer game, whether on the West Coast, the South, the Northeast, it is always sold out. And there are a majority of people there outside of Lambeau that are Green Bay Packer fans. They are a massive national brand. And he's the star of the team. And let's face it, he's probably going to go down as the best quarterback they've ever had. Potentially the best player they've ever had. He still has some to be written. But think about, like, management has been pretty good to him. When they needed a coach, they went out. And at the time, I I thought it was kind of a crazy hire. They hired LaFleur from Tennessee, who had only been a coordinator for one year. Now, he had worked for the Shanahan family for a while. But that one year in Tennessee, it didn't go that well. Like, it's not like they were a prolific offense. Now, looking back, Mariota was his quarterback. And it was pretty difficult probably to have a good offense with Mariota, but they hired him and it was somewhat of a bold move. And he resurrected Rogers career because that next year Rogers was a little off. And within the following year, he's winning the MVP. And now again, they're going to compete to be the number one overall seed. Like one of the biggest hires an organization can make for any player is Who's the coach? Does the guy knows what he's doing? We look all over the league, how terrible most coaches are because there are only so many good coaches. It's like some people are just better than others. You know, in the private sector, in the real world, you know, there's no such thing as equality. There's a reason Andy Reid makes way more money than Robert Sala, right? He's just way better. Or you could just go around the league. Like, there are better salesmen, whatever job you're at, than the next guy. And that guy is worth more to the company. You know, a good coach is worth way more to an NFL team than an average coach, let alone a crappy coach. And we've all seen the team that we watch closely, a team hire the wrong coach, Like drafting a player really high, especially a quarterback, it sets your franchise back. And the Packers didn't just hire the right coach, they nailed the hire. The dude's a stud. Like, I've been impressed. I I didn't ever see this coming. All the guy does is win. The guy never loses. Hell, even the game that he missed Rodgers because of the immunization thing, and he's got to start Jordan Love, like, they were in the game. It's not like the Chiefs beat him 40 to nothing. Like that, I, and his quarterback didn't even play well and, and they competed well. I, I, LaFleur's good. They draft really well. They've had one of the better offensive lines now for years. Their mid round picks are fantastic, whether it was Ted and now Goudikins. Like they put a good infrastructure of players around Rodgers. Do they have some flaws? Like we need better receivers. Yeah, every team can complain about a position or two. But overall, when you watch them, when Rodgers' on the field, they're a well put together team. And even in the Jordan Love pick, which clearly if they could have a redo, they would redo it. They would not have taken him. But at the time, it wasn't that crazy because Rodgers had just played poorly. But I don't think they got enough credit. They definitely, at the time, everyone acted like they were morons for taking A.J. Dillon. And I didn't know that much about him. I don't watch B.C. football. But I remember a buddy in the league who knows what he's talking about was like, bro, I like that guy a lot. That is a really good pick. And then his rookie season, Jamal Williams, who's now in the Lions, was going to be a free agent. Part of being a GM is looking forward. Clearly, A.J. Dillon, you know, you talk about following the board, let the board speak to you, was probably the highest rated guy on the board at the time. And now, you know, Aaron Jones gets hurt, who's also an awesome player, and goes out. They don't skip a beat. A.J. Dillon looks like freaking Marshawn Lynch running over people. So, like, that, the organization gets credit for all this. Think how many teams around the league that we go, God, this is just a poor drafting hill. I see it with the 49ers. They got holes all over the place. All Gudikins does is fill holes. Now, does he benefit from inheriting a team, even though he'd worked there before? But I'm saying when he became the GM of having Aaron Rodgers? Of course. But Aaron Rodgers also has to look at the Packers and go, he just played a team that has, you know, somewhat of his equal as a quarterback, Super Bowl champion. You know, he's he's higher level than Russell Wilson because he's won a bunch of MVPs. He's a better player. But, you know, Russell's a star. Like, that's a flawed organization. I like John Snyder, but that team's a mess. They're just not that talented. They got issues. And hell, they stick with this coach who, you know, who's just not the most dynamic guy anymore. And I don't, I listen, I'm a Pete Carroll, have a lot of respect for Pete Carroll, but he's seven years old. Sometimes you just stop throwing fastballs. It happens to pitchers, right? One time I'm throwing 96 and six, seven years later, I'm only throwing 91. I don't blame him. I know he's got great energy and he looks young, but he's still 70 years old. Not every 70-year-old is Bill Belichick. Maybe Pete just doesn't have it anymore. And when you look at Russell Wilson, you go like, God, they, they got a flawed roster. And a lot of it is, you know, they need Russell. The Packers can compete if their quarterback position is just okay without Rodgers, right? Or even when Rodgers is crappy. Seattle can't. Seattle needs Russell Wilson to be a superstar. And listen, I I made, I made fun of Russell for the 19 hours a day Call me a little old school, like, I don't need to know how hard you're working. Like, the price of admission for big boy jobs uh, to make a lot of money in this country, you, you don't sleep that much, you're up early, you're working late. Like, it's part of the deal. We're all doing it in some form of fashion. People listening to this, hell, that don't even make big money are working their ass off, let alone people that are running companies, running their own business. Like, we all work hard. You know, and I just think sometimes Russell can get a little cheesy, and it might not be him; it could be his people around him leaking all that crap. Like, and I said last week, I, I, I no one ever questions Russell's will and desire to try to get back on the field. He will do have people sleeping over at his house, working out his finger. But it's like the the, the reach around that happened on Sunday morning for the 19 hours a day. It's like, oh my god! I mean, we, we get it, bro. You work hard. Uh, it's just that, that type stuff to me drives me a little nuts about Russell, but maybe that's just the world we live in with just professional athletes now. But I don't know. I I, I think Seattle's in a little trouble. Uh, they, they're kind of, kind of come to a fork in the road. They're three and six, like their season's over Pete Carroll. To me, it's twofold. Does Russell even want to be there anymore? Like, does he actively want to you fire Pete? Let me pick the coach or like, I just want to go. I just want to start over. And if that's the case, To me, the team that would make the most sense to just blow it up would be the Eagles trading them like four first round picks. The Eagles have three first round picks. They could trade them a first round pick the next year. Seattle just kind of gets to do a huge reset, you know, start over. Eagles get Russell Wilson. Like, that's something I would keep an eye on. And it could just be a way for John Schneider to maybe hire a young, up and coming coach and just reset the franchise. Like, they had a great run. Maybe it's not. Now, if Russell wants to stay, I obviously would not trade him. But, like, you kind of saw last year, like, did he want out? Like, does he just kind of tired of being there? Does he just kind of feel like it's run its course? Uh, and I'm not going to try to make, you know, a mountain out of Mohill one game who, when he's coming off the injury, but they've been just kind of weird. It's weird, you know, as someone that lives in the Bay Area, whenever they play the 49ers, they never look that bad. But whenever I'm sitting on my couch and watching them play other teams, especially when they lose, Seattle can look so terrible. Yet, whenever I've experienced them, I've been I've watched them live probably three or four times over the years. They always look unreal, unstoppable. Yet, I'd say like eight to ten games a year, now they end up winning probably of the ten, probably seven of them. But they always look, you know, so flawed. And then their losses, they can look horrendous. Yet, I, whenever I've seen them in person, they never look like that. And I know any Niner fan would attest, they never play like that against the 49ers. But they, they are... They're they're a weird team that feels like they're trending in a direction that you don't ideally want to go, which is down. <laughs> Let's go around the NFL a little bit. Uh, I, I said this last week after the Sunday night football game. Is I, I think that we naturally, and when I say we, I just mean you know fans around the NFL, obviously the, you know media, but the media gets very influenced by agents, so agents push their clients to them. So when you you got to take it with a grain of salt. When you see the the blue check marks and the heavy hitters in football media, like when they're pushing people, a lot of times it's because the agent is pushing their client. Just a little inside uh, inside the game, but we gravitate toward offensive guys. It's an offensive league; scoring points is sexy, so those guys get kind of put on a pedestal. And when they're good, like McVay or Lafleur, you know, Kyle's one year, right? Andy Reid, Sean Payton, they they deserve it. But Mike Vrabel being a defensive guy. You just don't get the same credit. But the guy, we got to, as the kids say, give him his flowers. He's 8-2. and two. Julio Jones is now an injury reserve of the hamstring. Derrick Henry has a broken foot. All the guy does is win. All the guy does is win. If he's able, and I don't know, I mean, we still got a long way to go. If he's able to get the number one seed with the Tennessee Titans, especially if he misses Derrick Henry half the year, that's one of the most incredible accomplishments I've ever seen. Even if the AFC is a little down. I just, I, I some people are just born to lead. You know they they really are. Some people, you know, are just born to sit at the head of the table. And let's face it, most people are not. It's one. It's an intimidating place to be, and the the overwhelming majority of people are just insecure about their skills in a working environment. And I just think leaders maybe they are insecure too, but they are able to mask it. And when I watch Mike Vrabel, I just go, this guy was born to be a head coach. This guy, if, you know, if he hadn't gotten into coaching after he was done playing. He would have ran, you know, several successful businesses. Like this guy was born to be the leader of whatever he was doing. And you're watching him now, and you go, yeah, it kind of makes sense. The guy's just, like I said with Andy, he's just a winner. You know, he he really is. Everywhere he goes, he is. He just he wins as a player. Now as a coach, uh, he he gravitates toward it, and maybe winning gravitates toward him because even though the Colts are making a sneaky comeback, they're now five and five. He beat him twice. So the division, he's got a three game lead. He beat that team twice. It's basically a wrap. I, I really think they're playing for that number one seed. Now they just, you know, they're they're not getting much offense with Tannehill. It's not like he's throwing for three hundred yards a game. I wonder if that does catch up to him. But I don't know. Maybe Mike Vrabel, kind of like Belichick, just figures out when I say Belichick, like it's three different syllables. Just a, a way to get it done. I, I would not. I would not discount him. I watched this morning the Bucs. Uh, football team game, the Bucks played really well, and they, they say Styles make fights. Maybe the Bucks just feel pretty confident playing them because they they physicaled them. Heineke was excellent. Uh, their offensive skill guys, Gibson and Terry McLaurin, are just making plays. The wide receiver from Sac State was making play. like they just they just looked excellent. Like if you just watch the Bucks in the playoff game against Tampa uh, in January, and then that game, you go, yeah, that's a playoff team. That was the team that everyone in the preseason was going. This team can win the division. This team can't compete to go to the playoffs. But for whatever reason, they don't play like that. But when they play Tampa, that's how they look. Now, part of it is like Tampa's got a lot of injuries, right? Richard Sherman, who's playing because they have a bunch of injuries, gets hurt in tra- in, uh, in warmups. He's out. Vita Vea gets hurt in in the game. Who's one of their best players? Gronk's on the sideline. A B still got some, you know, a boot on his foot. They're just they're banged up. And I, I do think at 44 years old, it is a little like it is incumbent on Tom's team being really good. A huge reason they won the Super Bowl last year was Tom's teammates. Now, I'm not trying to diminish his accomplishment. He is nails. You trust him. But let's face it, like if we went back and watched the playoff games, it's not like he was perfect. They, they have a loaded squad. And in the Super Bowl, what, why were they kicking Mahomes' ass? Defensively, they couldn't block him. Tom Brady ain't rushing off the edge. And I wonder if their defense is just quite the same. Uh, Devin White's still playing his ass off, but they're missing a bunch of DBs. Doesn't feel like their pass rush is quite as good. Um, I'm not going to write them off. They have too good of a coaching staff, and as long as you got Tom around, you got a chance. But they're, they're definitely to get your ass kicked like that. And let's face it, they got their butt kicked because it was 23 to 19, and you know they got a they got a turnover. It was actually 23, I think, to. Uh, to 13. They get a turnover and they score. So the game actually wasn't that close. Tampa's able to score and then Washington goes on like a 9-minute drive and scores at the end of it. Goes for like fourth and 1, maybe it was like fourth and 3. It was sweet. uh very very impressive uh win by the football team. The best worst game I've ever seen in my life. It was crazy because Fox and CBS where I live had the uh, Cowboy game and had the Patriot game. Both games going into the fourth quarter. The combined score was 80 to 10. Neither game made it to the fourth quarter on TV. They switched both games. So I ended up watching a lot of the Steelers and the Lions. And it was cr- Dan Campbell's now calling plays. He uh, he gave Anthony Lynn the boot. He's there calling plays. Jared Goff's t- not a very good football player. He's just not. Now it was raining, hard to hold on to the football. That set football back a long time. The Lions are are a god-awful team. They, they just don't have much talent. And, and Jared Goff's not very good. So when you don't have much talent, your quarterback's not very good, there's You know, Belichick would struggle to win four games with that team. But the Steelers, who actually made some plays, especially down the stretch, they had two just awful fumbles. But Roethlisberger's out with COVID. uh, Self-reported. Rap sheet gave him a lot of credit. He's like, that is leadership. He said he had the sniffles and his throat hurt, and he told on himself. It's like, oh, let's give him credit. That's the one thing on Sunday mornings. When there aren't, like, the polarizing stories, like Gruden or Coach getting fired, They actually go the opposite way, like the Russell Wilson, the Ben Roethlisberger. And it gets a little exhausting, a little cheesy for my taste. But they start Mason Rudolph, and he put them in position to win. They just couldn't hold on to the football. And they had just two fumbles that really cost them, but the game ended in a tie. Then everyone makes a big difference or a big deal when Najee Harris acknowledges he didn't know there was a tie. I think people don't quite realize not every person is a big NFL fan that plays in the NFL. So, and it's not like if you're Najee Harris, you're playing any less hard because you think you go to another overtime, but that always like, uh, gets people riled up. Donovan McNabb said it a long time, probably a little worse for the quarterback, but I I don't judge Najee Harris for not knowing that there's not multiple overtimes. I think they threw for like 300, just a little over 300 yards, the two quarterbacks, they played five quarters. So it was, uh it was a rough watch. The Steelers... I think the Steelers are in trouble. I still think they'll probably make the playoffs, but they have absolutely no chance to win the Super Bowl. They have no offense. They they cannot push the ball down the field. But they have good offensive players. It's very bizarre. Their quarterback situation is just not good. Roethlisberger shot, and Mason Rudolph just isn't good. And then they don't have a good enough offensive line to have Najee going like for 150 yards a game. Because if he played on a team with a good offensive line, like if you put Najee Harris on like the Colts, he would. Uh, you gave him like Sean McVay. He he would be he would be awesome. I did think it was pretty cool. Uh, the Cowboys gave Dan Quinn the game ball. And I saw some quotes Dan Quinn gave to Albert Breer. I mean, they absolutely... I mean, that, that was the biggest joke game of the year. It was like... It felt 30 to nothing before you could even blink. It was, I think, 36 to 3 at halftime. It was an embarrassment for the Atlanta Falcons. But they gave the game ball to Dan Quinn. He said he got emotional. And as someone who's been fired before... And listen, I I try to move on. I try not to hold on to the past, But there is... Like, if you're prideful... You know, and most of us, you know, if you get fired in football, you're going to go probably work for another football team, right? When I got fired in football, I changed careers. So, I never... It didn't really matter, right? If Chip had success or whatever, though he didn't. uh, It wasn't like I wasn't competing against him. Now, when I got fired in radio and kind of made the transition to a podcast, do I get some... uh, you know, get a little excited knowing, you know, I have more success in the station. Of course, you know, if we're all humans, I don't spend too much. And the farther and farther you separate from it, you don't spend too much time. Dick Quinn got fired last year. If I was in his position, I mean, I would have taken that game ball. I would have gone back out over to the Atlanta Falcons uh, locker room. I would have knocked on the door when Arthur Smith opened it. I would have spiked that thing right in front of them all and then waved to him. I said, hey, Arthur, thanks for all the money you paid me and give him a due sign. And listen, he deserved to be fired. The Atlanta Falcons were awful, but that had to feel pretty good for him. That had to feel really good for him. Because they didn't just beat him, they housed him. And they fired him for an offensive coach. So, to shut them out, basically, and destroy them, I I can't even imagine how good that couple beers or maybe cocktail or glass of wine with his wife felt that night after the game to get the game ball. Um, And you could see, one thing about Dan Quinn I don't know how dynamic he is as an exes nose guy, though. I bet he's probably better than I would imagine. The players seem, and they even did in Atlanta, to really like him. And if you go back and watch the Cowboys, uh, once McCarthy gives them the game ball, kind of gravitate toward him in the locker room. Like he's pretty well liked. And the difference of Dan Quinn so far this year and Mike Nolan is like going from uh, some random high school coach to Vince Lombardi, right? I mean that that I mean how Mike Nolan Mike Nolan couldn't have been any worse. I mean, you could have put a cardboard cutout as the Cowboys defensive coordinator last year, and it would have been, at worst, unequal. It it was that bad. And Dan Quinn's done a really, really good job. And what he's doing with Micah Parsons, turning that guy into, you know, borderline, like, all pro. He's definitely going to be probably the defensive rookie of the year. It's been been fun to watch. And then last but not least, Washington fired their coach, Jimmy Lake. There are a ton of college jobs open. Obviously, LSU, to me, is the best job. USC... University of Washington. The University of Washington made the playoffs like five or six years ago. Into Chris Peterson, they get a ton of NFL people. Uh, the University of Florida, who won the SEC East last year, might also become available. Those jobs are massive, and when you get those type jobs available, the dominoes that are about to take place could be pretty crazy. Because people that are going to fill those jobs are going to be people from other programs. So, like, if Dave Aranda takes a job, if Matt Campbell at Iowa State takes a job, if, hell, the biggest shocker, like, Lincoln Riley were to leave, you could have enormous kind of butterfly effect around the country. And I would say used to, probably 10, 15 years ago. Those type jobs might even attract NFL coordinators. Like, you'd be like, well, Chris Peterson still influences the University of Washington. Maybe they'll come after Kellen Moore. NFL people don't want to touch college anymore. NIL bullshit. And listen, I don't mean bullshit from the sense I don't care they get paid. I'm just saying it's a pain in the ass. Uh, recruiting is, I mean, you don't have to do any of that. As a college coach, you have to game plan during the week and scout. You're basically doing two jobs. In the pros, you just coach. The scouts watch the players. Then in the offseason, you know, you watch the the guys coming into the draft. But in college football, you basically wear both hats. You are, you know, if you're the running back coach at wherever. You are the running back coach, you're getting your team ready to play every day. And then you're scouting all the running backs throughout all the country for multiple classes while you're spending a lot of time wait, you know, talking to them on the phone. NFL coaches, once they get to the league now, especially with the money being as big, it's not even worth it. So I, you know, it used to be like, well, you get some suck some guys back from the NFL. I do think that's a little more difficult now because those guys don't want to leave. And these coordinators, if you're an offensive or defensive coordinator in the NFL, you know, you know. I mean, Kellen Moore probably makes like two and a half million dollars. Bunch of defensive coordinators around the league make like three million dollars. So it's like, wait, University of Washington's going to pay me four? I'll just wait to become a head coach in the NFL. You know, I saw a coward tweet about Mel Tucker, who's probably going to sign a long deal with Michigan State. Like, why wouldn't Mel Tucker like? Yeah, he could go to LSU because LSU is a better job than Michigan State, or he could just make seven, eight million dollars in Michigan State. And eventually an NFL team is going to come to him because if he keeps winning eight, nine, 10 games a year, he can stay at Michigan State for a long time. You just saw the coach that he replaced was there forever. And eventually he's got a long NFL background. If he wants to make the jump, he can make the jump. He doesn't need to leave. So, you know, it's it's become a lot more complicated of a landscape. But this offseason for coaching turnover is going to be pretty outrageous. It, It really is because these are some jobs that Obviously USC, I mean LSU is going to pay seven eight million dollars. USC is probably going to pay five or six. Washington might pay four. I mean, it's, how many people you know are making four million dollars a year that aren't playing in the NFL? I mean, that's that's a lot of money. So it's it should uh should, should be a fun off season. And really, for college off seasons in about with these jobs already opening, it, it really heats up probably in about fifteen days. I I love and I mean I I live for the coaching carousel in college and in the pros. My favorite time of year. Like, I I like the coaching carousel as much as I do the game. So we will be all over that as we move into December and January.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets. To watch your favorite team. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home. And then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need
2: TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
1: Okay, let's dive into Middlecoff Mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. And uh, slide up into my DMs, get your question answered here on the show. We're going to start with uh, Wade. Wade Baldwin, full name on the internet. John, after yesterday's Browns game, a lot of people are once again talking about what to do with Baker. My first reaction was, I think the Browns should throw their hat in the Watson sweepstakes this upcoming offseason. An upgraded quarterback could be the difference in them, in my opinion. But do you think Baker plus high-value draft picks could be traded for Watson? Also, would it be a fair comparison to compare Baker to Marcus Mariota? Love the pod. Let's we'll start with your second question. I don't think him and Mariota have much in common. Baker's a better thrower of the football. Mariota's bigger, obviously a much better athlete. Uh, I think Baker's a better quarterback when healthy, but he's tiny for NFL standards. I mean, he's, you know, six feet two twenty 20 or whatever. He's big for bigger for normal person standards, but he's, he, he's gotten really banged up and I, you know, Kyler got hurt. I little guys get hurt. You know, it's, it, it is a big man grown man's league. And even though the NFL doesn't have Steve Atwater and Ronnie Lott hitting you anymore and John Lynch, it's still very, very violent. Guys have never been faster. The only time they get to hit opponents is in games, and they're coming for blood, and the guy's already breaking down. If if Deshaun Watson can figure out his mess off the field and it all goes away, I would imagine they would be in the sweepstakes and giving them a quarterback. The problem is you give the Texans Baker Mayfield. Do they have to extend Baker Mayfield? Kind of gets into a tough spot. Uh, Kyle, are the Rams creating a super team in the NFL? Taking guidance from the NBA. Love the parody in the NFL and hope it stays that way for a while. Favorite bar, Floribama. Never been there. Uh, I guess the topic I'm curious to get your thoughts around, will we see super team culture in the NFL? Not necessarily because, like you have Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey, and Aaron Donald on the same team and Matt Stafford and Odell Beckham in the NBA, you're guaranteed to be really good in the NFL. It doesn't guarantee you anything. The Rams are good, right? But in basketball, a super team basically just means two or three guys. If you have three really good players, hell the Warriors had Steph, Clay and Draymond. They were now they were an organic super team, but then they signed Kevin Durant. It's not fair. If you have four really good players, I mean, the 49ers have Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Like They have a core four of guys. Fred Warner. And shit, they, they've struggled all season long. I'm recording this part before the Monday night game, but it just it, it's just so much different because 22 guys start, and then on both offense and defense, another four or five guys rotate in. So you just have so many players. I I don't think it's possible. I think the way you get a super team is – by having a super quarterback, you get Mahomes, you get Rodgers, you get Brady, and then Banning, right? And then you got a super team. It's much more quarterback dependent. We're in the NBA. Even if I have a superstar like the Trailblazers with Dame Lillard, if I don't have two or three guys to help him out, I got no shot. None. I was wondering what you think of the rest of the Bengals season is going to look like. You think they should be in panic mode? Are they a playoff team? Well, I think it's a loser leave town match on Sunday. They're going to Oak or not Oakland to Vegas and the Raiders are in shambles. The Raiders have now lost two straight games. They got punked by the Chiefs. They got they just didn't play very well against the Giants. You're coming off a bye. You win that game and you're six and four. I think you have a chance to make the wild card. You lose that game and you go five and five and all of a sudden the Raiders are six and four. I would say that the Raiders would probably have the upper end on the on the deal. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Bengals coming off a bye going to Las Vegas, taking on a team that's kind of just leaking oil. I I think whoever wins that game has a chance to kind of write their season. Honestly, I'll probably pick the Bengals in that game, but I don't really trust you. Cleveland fan. After watching this play on Sunday against the Patriots, one has to ask themselves, are the Browns headed in the right direction? After separating ourselves from a distraction in OBJ and sticking to the basics by signing two great offensive linemen, why can't the Browns make this work? It doesn't seem the answer is as easy as Baker Mayfield's injury. There seems to be more to it. On paper, things look great. Higgins, Peebles-Jones, Austin Hooper, blah, blah, blah. Fan base as a whole believes in Stefanski and Andrew Barry. So what's not clicking? Well, against the, against the Patriots, Baker was awful. I mean, he was terrible. Now, he was injured, but you can't... I, I do think it's as simple as Baker Mayfield. When you have a really good quarterback and you have a team as talented as your team, you're not going to lose. Like, the quarterback is the most important thing going. When you have a guy that just talented, not that Baker is, but you have Lamar, you have Mahomes, you have a top guy, Josh Allen, you're going to win. Right? So, Baker is a very limited player right now. He's played the last, you know, I guess he was good against the Bengals, but he's just had some games this year where he's like a bottom 10 quarterback. And you can't overcome that in the NFL. Not in 2021. You, you just can't. I mean, I, I think it's as simple as like, they get a good quarterback. I love everything they got. Now, it's harder to harder to get a good quarterback than, you know, it's one thing to be like, let's go get a quarterback. Well, like who? How? There's no quarterbacks in the draft. None. I mean, no quarterback you're going to feel great about even if you draft in the first round. Okay, let's go get who? Trade for Russell Wilson? Well, he's got to demand a trade uh Deshaun Watson well he's got seven million chicks claiming that something weird happened so until that goes away nothing's gonna happen Rodgers is Rodgers really gonna leave the Packers I doubt it so who's even available Jimmy Garoppolo you, you just kind of you get in a spot where Baker might be your best option but if Baker's your best option you're kind of limited what do you consider the Titans real Super Bowl contenders If not, what do you do to get more respect in the NFL? It's hard for me to see them go to the Super Bowl and win it without Derrick Henry. He's the best player and their team revolves around him. And they've been able to win the last two weeks with Tannehill against the Rams, which they won 143 yards and they won by 12 points. Against the Saints, which there was a late touchdown, he threw for 213 points. So they've won back-to-back games. And really, the Saints, that late touchdown, I mean, it easily could have been. And I know, I didn't watch the whole game. I guess there were some controversial calls. So they've won two straight games, one by 12, another by two. So they've, you know, an average of seven points a game. He's thrown for two touchdowns, and he's averaging like 168 yards, 170 yards. I don't know if that's sustainable. I just don't. So that would be my question. Now, once you get in the playoffs, you have a great coach, but just can your can your quarterback carry you? Now, his stats this year actually aren't terrible. I mean, he's having a—he's thrown twelve touchdowns, eight picks. I guess they're not that great. I mean, last year Tannehill was really good. He threw thirty-three touchdowns. This year, through ten games, he's thrown twelve, so he's averaging like one point two touchdowns a game. Seven games left. It's pretty crazy if you get the number one seed and he throws for like 20 to 24 touchdowns. That's pretty nuts. That's why I'd probably bet against you. Uh, Nick, thanks for what you provide. I appreciate you listening. My Seahawks look like a dumpster fire. If you were the GM, what would you do to turn this thing around? I don't think there's much you can do. You don't have a first round pick. I I think you'd have to contemplate sitting down with Russ and saying, hey, listen, we want you here. If you want to stay here, we will fire Pete Carroll. Or we will force him into retirement. And we will get a coach. We'll help. You'll be part of the interview process. You just got to treat Russell like an NBA player. Just part of the reality. He's the best player in the history of the franchise by a mile. You don't really have a choice. And worst case scenario, which is also not the worst case scenario, what if he goes, listen, guys, I'm ready for a change. And you go, listen, I don't want to trade Russell Wilson. But I'm going to call Howie and I'm going to say, Howie, I'll take your three first-rounders and I'll take two more first-rounders. Give me five first-round picks and you can have Russell Wilson. And I'll just reset my franchise. That's probably what I'd do. Those would be my two options. Had a college football question. If Texas loses out and misses a bowl game, what do you think the chances are Sark gets fired? I think they give him at least two years. Now, if he goes 4-8, I do think it's a fireable offense. Because you look at his history and his resume, he's not a winner. He's a guy that struggles to win seven games back when the Pac-12 wasn't very good. So, I, and this year, 4-8, with that rot, like that's inexcusable. It can't happen. You cannot lose to Kansas at home. It's the worst loss of my life. They haven't won a game on the road in 13 years, Kansas. They won 20 games over the last decade. Stark lost in overtime to to their backup. Kansas was playing their backup quarterback. Scored 57 points. 57 points? It's just probably too expensive to fire him. But yeah, I mean, I I think he would be in major, major trouble going into 2022. I just went to the Texas-Kansas game and it was wild. As a BYU alum and Southern California guy... I have seen a lot of Sarkeesian, but this is the worst he has looked. Do you think he could be on the hot seat already? Might he just be an excellent coordinator? There's nothing wrong with being a really good coordinator. It pays a lot. Uh, Just not everyone... Like I said about Mike Vrabel, some people are meant to be number ones. Mike Vrabel thrives at the head of the table. Nick Saban thrives at the head of the table. They belong there. Belichick, Andy, Peyton. Sark belongs the first seat next to the head coach. And there's nothing wrong with that. Luckily, in his industry, it pays millions of dollars. Now, he's because he has a good agent and he's got a good personality. He's a good looking guy. Uh, He's worked for some powerful coaches. He's able to get the seat at the front of the table. But he clearly doesn't do a very good job in that spot. He just doesn't. And And I think sometimes, you know, like I talk for a living. It's like you're being really critical. Like, no, I'm just Calling a spade a spade. I, I'm I'm just... It is what it is. He just doesn't win that often. You In that job, you get based on wins and losses. Right? It's clear like Joe Rogan or Caller Daddy or whatever. Like a lot of people listen. They're really successful. They It works. Howard Stern, historically. Coward. Right? Dan Patrick. Like it's just like... It speaks for itself. Right? It's just... Some people are good at their job. Some people just aren't. Now, luckily for Sark, there are several jobs inside football you can do. But... Being a head coach is clearly not a strong suit. I couldn't be a head coach. I mean, most, most people listening couldn't be a head coach. It's hard. My question is, what will it take for the Vikings to move off Kirk Cousins? I swear if they extend Cousins again, I'm burning all my Vikings jerseys. I hate how the Vikings are okay with being mediocre. I was begging them to move up to number five to draft Justin Herbert back to a couple years ago. I don't know what it is about that guy. I saw something special. He just looked like another NFL starter. Well, you're stuck with him. You know, Spielman extended him for whatever, $65 million after he'd already given him $85 million. Like, he's your quarterback. Now, granted, I watched the Charger Vikings game. I thought he looked pretty good. Justin Jefferson is an incredible player. I don't even think people in the NFL realize how good this guy would be. He is a star. I mean, he was on the field with Keenan Allen, who's a star, too he's just way better. Like, Justin Jefferson was the best player on that field. He is a dominant NFL wide receiver. Dominant. He's only in his second year. It is pretty crazy looking back that they had him and Jamar Chase. No wonder they kicked everyone's ass. The NFL can't really cover either guy. And they had both of them? With an NFL quarterback? Man. Hey, John, Eagles fan from Ireland. What's up, bro? In regards to teams like the Eagles with quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts and can't be called a franchise quarterback, at least not yet after his current performance, do you think a team in position where a quarterback is not their only problem, should they go after a quarterback in the upcoming 22 draft or just stick around and target other holes in the roster? Uh, I just think you have to keep letting the season play out. I'm not a big Jalen Hurts guy. I, I didn't watch the Denver game. Obviously, you know, I bring up a stat right now, how he played. I just... I don't know if they're sold on him. Now, there's not a quarterback in this draft that I think they're going to be sold on either. So you're kind of in a tough spot. What I would hope to do if I was Howie is to trade for a guy. Whether Derek Carr becomes available, whether obviously Russell Wilson, I would trade whatever it took. So Jalen went 16 to 23 for 178 yards. Like Jalen's just meh. He's, He's actually better than I ever thought he would be. I would try to get a veteran quarterback. And I have the ammo to do it. That's what I think they'll attempt to do. But one has to become available. If not, I just think they use those picks on players and build around Jalen. Not build around Jalen, but build a team while Jalen is the quarterback. What do the Vikings need to do to get out of purple purgatory? Not a Super Bowl coach, GM, or quarterback, but also never bad enough to snag a top five pick. What would you do if you were the owner? I think the Vikings are pretty good. They, you know They're four and five, but they easily could be... I don't know, six and three. Like I watch them and I go, that's a pretty good football team. They have really good players. Their offense is really good when everyone's on the field. I, you know, I think I they're a baffling team. I don't know what I would do. I think that's a tough spot. You're right. You never want to be in purgatory. But they're better than I think some teams that are in purgatory because they've go to the playoffs a lot. They have a lot of success. They do have legitimate NFL players in a lot of key positions. Their quarterback isn't bad, and he's under contract for a while. You know, I, I guess you fire Zimmer at the end of the year if you miss the playoffs and maybe go try to hire an offensive guy. That's what I would imagine they end up doing. Spielman get to keep his job. I, You know, I don't follow the team close enough to know. I, I think Rick Spielman's pretty good at his job. Uh, now, you get judged on more than just drafting players, the coach stuff, free agency. You know, but I, I know people around the NFL that I know like him a lot, respect him a lot. It's a tough spot. I mean, I guess Zimmer, but honestly, I kind of like Zimmer. Though I get it, he's old, you know, crotchy defensive guy. You know, rubs some fans the wrong way. Not innovative, but I saw this thing went viral today. He's doing his media thing on Zoom and Deion Sanders calls. I think people like Zimmer that worked with him, that have coached with him. Actually, I know one coach that worked with him that did not like him. But you know, each his own. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) For a guy that you know usually takes a stand, I'm kind of sitting on the fence on this one. Uh, let's just see how the season plays out. Because if they go ten and seven, or to make like the seven seed, probably keeps his job. You know, he he probably does. Appreciate everyone listening. Talk to everyone soon. Adios.
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tanner girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby.